So welcome back to another exciting edition of Pointless Exercise. Uh, I'm Andy, and we are uh, the part of the new podcast format uh, where I have I have another actual celebrity guest, and uh, the guest today is sports writer extraordinaire, uh, formerly of the Kansas City Star and Yahoo Sports, Kevin Kadick. Kevin, welcome. What's going on, Andy? I think you're using the uh, the term celebrity rather uh, liberally there, so but I appreciate it. I think if more than four people not related to you know who you are, you're a celebrity. Okay. That, That's good. That doesn't sound right. Eh, maybe 40, which I think I would still clear. So, okay, I'll take it. So how many years did you write for The Star? The Star, I was there for about three and a half years. I came back here, wrote Wrigley World, which is Kind of how I met you. You're in the Wrigley World. Is I'm that the it. only book that you're? Is that the only book you're in? No, I am in two books. Okay. I'm also in "If These Walls Could Talk," the John Greenberg. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in the acknowledgments of a couple Jonah Carey books, which. Uh, oh yeah! Can you? Did you have to expunge that from your? Bibliography? Not as great anymore. Yeah, I've been trying to recall. No. Um, yeah, so I was at so I did Wrigley World, went up to Northwest Herald, was columnist there for the last time the the Bears were in the Super Bowl, which is like bad memories now because they're Super Bowls again in Miami, yeah. and uh, then I was at, at, at Yahoo for the last twelve years until uh, December. So did you ever think you would write you would be a sports writer for a search engine for more than a decade? <laughs> so. My first day at Yahoo was February 2008, which is like basically the start of the recession, right? Yeah. Do you think and, you caused uh, it? No, no, no. It was after the, uh, okay. the layman, whatever. Um, so my dad was like, uh, you're probably not going to be there more than like a year or two. I said, well, well, we'll give it a shot. I think the internet thing might stick around. And, uh, and, by whatever luck, I, I lasted there for twelve, so it was a good run. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's impressive. And and those those blogs. Did you start Big League Stew? I started Big League Stew. I came up with the name Big League Stew. I I, I still remember like just lying awake at like two o'clock trying to think of names, and I'm still pretty proud of that name. I think that was a cool name. So yeah, I started Big League Stew. I ran that for six seasons, five, five seasons. Um, then just kind of. Kind of worked my way up the ranks and to the point where I kind of became a jack of all trades and did a lot of NFL and baseball and golf and and whatever. So because I, I think it's it was easy, cool. it's easy to forget just how how good and how well trafficked the Yahoo Sports blogs were for a long time. So you had Big League Stew, yeah. Ball Don't Lie, Puck Daddy. What was the NFL? Shut down corner. Shut, shut down, down corner. corner. Yeah. It was uh, we we had a, we had a pretty good run. It was it was pretty amazing, and the, the amount of talent that came through that that I worked with there, from Greg Wyshynski to uh, you know all the guys on No Dunks now at the Athletic, from from Skeets to to Trey Kirby and um, Shane Bacon, who's like taking over golf broadcasting. You know, he was like the golf blogger. Um, you know, and people who are still there that are, are that are amazing. Um, you know, Frank Schwab and, and Ben Rohrbach and, and and Jay Busby and. I'm going to leave somebody out and look like a jerk, but um, Dan Devine's at the ringer. You know, he was obviously a big star and your boy, Kelly Dwyer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're the, you're, the second, you're the second Yahoo alum to be on this podcast. Okay. Kelly was on the, on it before. Yes. Glad, glad you listened. Good. <laughs> there's so many podcasts now, Andy. It's like well, yeah, but not enough time in the day. There's this one. And then there's the rest. That's how I... All the rest of them, okay. That's probably not, not really a thing. But, uh, yeah. So they're, um, you're not on specifically to talk about the Cubs, although we'll talk about anything. But you mm-hmm. come on on a day when there's actual Cub news. That kind of coincided nicely. Yeah. Not great news. I will admit that when I saw Passon's, um, I just saw the, the, way he, the way he formed the tweet. It just said, mm-hmm. breaking... Chris Bryant, I thought, oh God, what did they do? And it's like Chris Bryant <laughs> grievance decision is in, and he's a big loser. Or maybe he didn't. Maybe he worded it a little more artfully than that. But, yeah, uh, I, I think it's no one's surprise. I think it would have been a shock had um, he actually won that grievance. 
They're not going to upend the entire system over Chris Bryant. I yeah, mean, no matter just, how good he is. And it's a uh, the whole thing. I mean, was it manipulated? Of course, but it was also mm-hmm. the the service time formula is collectively bargained, and has been collectively bar as and and when they redid the CBA the last time, the players didn't push to change it. So right. it makes it hard to think, you know, that they thought it was that, you know, it obviously wasn't their number one issue. Um, on the downside, now that there's some clarity, the assuredness that he's, that he's under team control for two more years, then, uh, you know, the Cubs can start shopping him, which I, I, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows that I, I don't understand that at all. <laughs> it's, I, it's funny. We were sitting there in 2015 thinking, okay, this is kind of great. We'll, we'll wait for it and we'll get the extra year of team control. And then you actually get to here and it's like, well, actually, now it actually kind of sucks that you have the extra year of team control, right? <laughs> like, well, I guess, if, it. I guess it makes him, it ups his trade value. Because teams right. they get him, get him for two years, but the fact that the Cubs, the supposedly large market Cubs, f- feel like oh we wouldn't, we can't afford to keep him, and we, we we certainly can't afford to resign him. It's like well mm-hmm. bullshit, you can't afford to resign him. If you want to resign him, you can, because if you pay him the most money, he will say yes and he will stay. So don't <laughs> pretend that you can't do it. You've decided apparently that you don't want to pay him what the market is going to determine that he's worth. And then there was somebody like, well, it was inevitable to have to pick between Javi and Chris. Was it? I thought the idea about being the, the one big market team in your little podunk division was that you didn't have to operate like the other teams. And if you had two or three really good young players, you could actually afford to keep them. But right. apparently they, the, uh, the willingness to do that is not there. I, no matter how badly they bungled the cost overruns on the stadium project and how tepid the market for their wonderful TV network has been, I find it impossible to believe that they can't do it. Just that they've decided that they that they don't. I'm want sure. To do it. I'm sure you've gone down this before, but could you have ever imagined a time in the middle of the what 25 years where the Cubs went? from Mark race as the only position player that like they developed to then having, you know, drafting Chris Bryant and, and Baez, even though he was a Hendry guy um, and actually developing those guys. And then it would be in a position where you're not going to keep both. One of them being a third baseman. Well, that was <laughs> right. Yes. The hole they could never fill. Until I guess well, Ramos filled it, but um, as long as you're not Bob Brindley, you realize that Ramos filled the hole. Um, right. No, and I thought that the whole idea about okay, we're gonna we're gonna suck in twelve, we're gonna mm-hmm. suck in thirteen, we're gonna hopefully not suck as bad in fourteen, but we're not gonna pay anybody any money. So mm-hmm. when we have all these players, think about all the cash we're gonna have to pay them. <laughs> And now all of a sudden they have the players and, you know, oh, we don't have any money. Yeah, nobody believes that. You could say it as much as you want, but nobody believes it. But, of course, they obviously have some money because just this week they've been splashing cash on huge ticket items like Steven Souza Jr. <laughs> and Jeremy Jeffress. Oof. It's uh and it's I really a, wish they buy would, tickets. I mean, I know. I wish they would hurry up and tell them and get and assign numbers to these guys so I could go out and buy jerseys for both of them. Because <laughs> I so want to have a Souza jersey and a Jeffress jersey. Yeah, it's. I'm surprised they didn't sign Dinesh to Souza. I thought that's who it was going to be, but <laughs> he'd fit in well there. Um. Well, he's going to be. He'll be doing in-game commentaries for Sinclair. <laughs> so you'll still get you'll get your he's Dinesh the- fix. It's the latest marquee hire. Uh, yeah, it's so. Are, are the, is the Cubs fan base right now the most miserable fan base that like is actually the team is still actually sort of respectable? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think we're more miserable than like. Well, the Red Sox, Red Sox fans are always miserable, just by 
just they are. They're just always. That's their birthright, right? But at least Fells and I talked about this a couple weeks ago. At least their team had the good taste to win four World Series before they started to pull this shit. Over the the Cub fans only did it once. Yeah. And then there's, uh, you know, the the Cubs at least don't have a don't have a cheating scandal hanging over their head. Mm So they might be more it's so mature. it's so hard to win a World Series, though, repetitively, just the way that things are set up. So going into this whole thing. And knowing what they had built, you know, from the half you know, midway of 2015 on. What were you what, obviously you just wanted one, but once they got one, what did you say? What, what would I be happy with? Yeah, I mean, it's the arc of it is all wrong to have only won one. Right. When you won in the second year, you were good, and you had all these young players. The idea that you had only won that is it, it very apparent. They're only going this this bunch, which may only last another couple of weeks, mm-hmm. is only going to have won <laughs> one World Series. Yeah, and yes, it's hard to win a World Series, but they really, you know, they went back to the NLCS the next year, and then just had it handed to them by the Dodgers. Um. And then a wild card, an ignominious wild card defeat, and then missed the playoffs. The arrow, it was not supposed to be pointing downward as at a, such a drastic slope as it is. Right, right. It's just a consistent drastic slope. <laughs> it doesn't level off at any point there. It's just yeah. So, so Theo always says, you know, uh, development isn't linear, but apparently regression of your overall team is because it just yeah. it's like a ski slope. It just heads right down. It's so, crazy. I mean, obviously, with with when they expanded the playoffs, you can just go in there and and, and just shit the bed or whatever, and it, and it happens. But you know, you just got to keep on keep on rolling the dice and getting in there. And they're at a point right now where it's okay. They're not. They're far from, you know, maybe you know what what the we thought. Okay, maybe they could be the Atlanta Braves of of this era, whatever. And as long as you get in ten times. Maybe win two or three of them. Yeah, and that's just not you, you. don't see that happening right now, and I think that's where where the the frustration comes in. Yeah, I mean, we haven't even had obviously we well seventeen. That's you make it to the NLCS. That's a that's a long playoff run, and um, they had to win that playoff series with the, against the Nats because Dusty was there, and that right. just I could not have handled um, <laughs> losing a playoff series to Dusty, who we yeah. can get to in a second. I was going to say, I'm surprised we didn't lead the lead the uh, the podcast with that news. He's he's my favorite, yeah, of all time. What a, what a guy! Um, but that you know you'd expect. All right, they, we don't. The Cub fans don't even have these like. Oh, but remember how close we came in in 18, or you know, we won mm-hmm. the pennant, but we you know, we we couldn't beat the cheating Astros in the World Series. They didn't. We didn't get back to that. It was you know, so we had. Um, 15, 16, and 17. Those were three great runs. It was a lot of fun, especially mm-hmm. 15 and 16. But then it just kind of disappeared, which... The, seven, the 17 and LCS was funny because, like you said, they were never in it. Um, I was... I watched the final out from the stands. I covered that. And what had happened, like, all the Cubs fans, like, turn and we're like congratulating the Dodgers fans. It's like, Oh, go, go win it, whatever. And there was like no, no animosity or strife. And it was just kind of like this expectation. Oh, well the, the Cubs will be again here in 2018 or 2019. Yeah, I think <laughs> that was, it was easy to have, to be, uh, you know, to be big about it. Cause you're like, well, we beat you last year. You beat us this year. We'll see you next year. Well, the Dodgers <laughs> held up their part of it, but the, not the Cubs. God. It's, I guarantee you there are a lot of Cub fans that forget that they actually won a game in that NLCS. Right. If you ask them, it's like, well, yeah, and then we got swept by the Dodgers. Did we? We might as well have. I don't Uh, remember the game they won, though. I mean, I can't tell you off the top of my head what it is. They won game four. Okay, so they prolonged it. Yeah. Held them off for another day. I don't remember anything about it. Really, what what I remember about that NLCS... I remember uh, Jose Quintana's wife having a panic attack on an airplane, which caused them to, to <laughs> reroute from D.C. to Albuquerque before they could get to L.A. I remember John Lackey giving up the home run to Turner. 
And then I remember Carl Edwards Jr. walking you with the bases loaded. That's pretty much it. The rest of the uh, time, and I wasn't even, it's like I was drunk for all of it. I just yeah. expunged it all from my memory. I really, and wow. it, it's, apparently it's a thing with me, because I remember almost nothing of the Mets sweep. Like, I can remember everything that happened in the Cardinals series. But then when they got to the, it's just a big blur of the Mets getting ahead. And then the they were, they were very never... similar years. Cause it was like, okay, they beat the Cardinals. That was great. You needed to do that. Okay. They beat the nationals. That was great. They needed to do that. And then it's like the air was out of the balloon. Um, Mets. I just remember like the game one going in there and it was like, Oh, they're, they're not going to win this series. <laughs> like this isn't happening this year. Todd Ricketts giving them bulletin board material. <laughs> God, that guy just. So here's how here's how sad things are right now. There was a the, what we got to debate yesterday was should the Cubs give Scooter Jeanette a minor league deal? That's how exciting this offseason had been. Um, but it did remind me. And I don't know, maybe you, you know, as a professional sports person, mm-hmm. um, Scooter has my favorite nickname origin story. I feel like I should know this. So I, I think it was, I think he was still in Milwaukee when he first, somebody finally asked him how he got his nickname. Okay. And this is great. So he's a little kid and he will not wear his seatbelt in the car ever. Mom and dad put the seatbelt on him. Immediately takes it off. And they're getting very frustrated with it. And they're like, you know, Scooter, this is dangerous. Or not Scooter, whatever his real name is. This is dangerous. You know. Mm-hmm. So his mom decides she's going to give a little, she's going to scare him straight. She drives him to the police station in whatever town they're in. Takes him <laughs> in and tells one of the cops, my son won't wear his seatbelt. You need to arrest him. And the cop plays along and says, pretends that he's writing up a police report. And he says, all right, son, what's your name? And he goes, Scooter. So he writes down Scooter and does a thing and, you know, basically gives Scooter the lecture. And they're heading back to their car. And his mom goes, where did you come up with the name Scooter? (laughs) And he goes, oh, it's my favorite character on the Muppet Babies. So he lied to a cop about what his name was. And they called him Scooter ever since. So I have a very I have a very similar story. So when I was in seventh grade, uh, someone said that whatever you write on the picture order form is what will end up in the yearbook. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't believe it. And they're like, No, try it out. I'm like, Okay. So I'm like, well, What should my nickname be? And someone was like, uh, Just say Skipper. So I'm like, All right. So I write down a Skipper Kaduck. And like, sure enough, my seventh grade yearbook came like at the end of that year. And if you go in there, it's a skipper kid next to it. Yeah. Luckily, that name did not stick. Did not did not stick. So um, maybe if I had been a uh, utility infielder who had like one freak year of home runs, it might have. But Um, my two other favorite nickname origin stories are uh, Tubby Smith. Do you know how Tubby got his nickname? I do not. So he got always a little kid. So your assumption is we must have been like a chubby little kid. That wasn't it. No. Tubby loved, but mom and dad would put Tubby in the in the bathtub, and he did not want to get out. He loved the bathtub. <laughs> so they started calling him Tubby, which I just think is That's a great terrible. nickname. And by far, the saddest one. They Vin Scully told this story once, and he thought it was charming. And I was like, oh my God, Vin, that is not charming. Mookie Wilson got his nickname. Now, I want to preface this by saying there's a lot of times when it involves uh, his grandmother. So there's a lot of times when, you know, grandparents tend to sometimes can have these weird nicknames like, Mm -hmm. you know, Gammy or Gigi or something because a little kid can't say grandma. That's not what happened with Mookie. Mookie got his nickname because his grandma couldn't say milk. <laughs> Not Mookie couldn't say milk, and Grandma thought it was cute. Grandma couldn't say milk. Wow. And I'm like, Vin, I don't think that's as adorable as you think it is. 
Now, granted, <laughs> grandmother could very well have been not born in America, and maybe English was not her first language. Maybe it was cute. But mm-hmm. I've always thought of that whenever I saw Mookie. Is it, oh, yeah, that's right. Okay. He's the one whose grandmother couldn't say the word milk. So you were telling me Stacy King came up with a, yes. a new nickname today? So Chandler Hutchinson, the Bulls lost, by the way. They um, had a lead the whole game. Victor Oladipo's first game back since he tore, he since he nomarred himself, whatever he did. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he hits, <laughs> he hits a three with, like, two seconds to go to tie the game. They're going to overtime, and the Pacers beat the Bulls. But Chandler Hutchinson had, like, the first good game he's ever had. He had 21 points. Mm-hmm. He was dunking on everybody. Stacy gave him a very dangerous nickname. Stacy started calling him C Hunt. Oh, St- I, Stacy, I would, I would not do that because that's, one that's slip of the tongue and yes, and you're you've, yeah. you're an FCC violation just waiting to happen. So I don't <laughs> think C Hunt is going to catch up. Yeah, but it also reminds me of the uh, Unarrested Development. They named their. Uh, their boat was the C word. That's right. And uh, there's the great scene where Michael and Job are talking. And he goes, we got to get rid of the C word. And Lucille walks by and goes, I'm standing right here. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, one last thing about the Cubs. So this, this is another, um, this was another thing that came from Jeff Passon today. He apparently was on with Cap and whichever... Whichever one of the clowns was the co today, um, talking about that the the Cubs have talked. Everybody knows Nolan Arenado is available. Chris Rockies have said they're not going to trade him because they tried to trade him and nobody would give him what they wanted for him, and now they say yeah. they won't. And he's apparently so wounded by the trade rumors that um, he now he just doesn't think he can stay. And so, uh, Passon told the Do guys. It that yeah. the Cubs have talked to the Rockies about um, Nolan Arenado. And the idea being, the first idea floated was that the Cubs would trade, say, Wilson Contreras and somebody that makes money. Mm-hmm. Hayward is probably not a guy that the Rockies want to take that salary on. Someone else suggested Tyler Chatwood, which made me laugh. It's like, I think the Rockies have been through that once. They don't want to do that. They've had enough of the Tyler Chatwood experience. But then the idea would be then the Cubs. So the Cubs would get Arenado, but then the Cubs would trade Bryant, and they would get you know the young players that they're looking for, some young pitching. Then Jesse Mm -hmm. Rogers came on this afternoon and said that he had heard, which I can't imagine he has actual sources, that the deal would be uh, Bryant plus... Um, something for mm-hmm. Arenado plus salary relief. The Rockies would eat some of that. And then the Rockies would trade Bryant for something. This just seems, all of it seems ludicrous to me. Both franchises right now, it's just like, yeah. I, I don't even know who wins that trade. It's just. Yeah, because it's because get- ironically, even though Arenado has the long deal, he has an mm-hmm. opt out after twenty one. So right. there's a chance that you're just trading two guys that are both going to be free agents at the exact same time. Mm-hmm. Um, Arenado's deal gets pretty hefty after, and you're starting in year three, and he may look at it and go, "I just like this money, please." So I don't want to opt out and try to right. negotiate it somewhere else. But. If you're the Cubs and you're trying, if, if your stated goal is to cut payroll, adding Nolan Arenado, who actually makes more than Chris Bryant, that doesn't achieve that. What's yeah? I mean, I guess the appeal could be, we'll get him. He apparently has t- told people that he would love to play for the Cubs. If I was a professional athlete, I would float rumors that I would like to play for all of the big market teams. <laughs> Even if I really didn't, I'd be like, oh, I'd love to be a Met. I've always wanted to be a Met, right? They've got right. money. Um, I guess the idea would be you'd get him and you you could actually convince him to stay. But it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No, no. And for Nolan to be so so pissed off at being there, it's like, well, you're, you're playing for Colorado and they're just paying you so much money. Like, how many, like, how great did you think the team around you was going to be. Can you really be that angry? It's, it's not, it's not an organization that's really known for developing a lot of guys or having a de- really deep farm system. So what do you, what are you angry about? 
Yeah, they're mostly known for uh, praying. <laughs> that seems you know, they're just a franchise that I mean, they've had great players, but they'll have like two good players at a time. Yeah, and then then it's just a mess everywhere else. So obviously, never really much of a a pitching staff. You know, which is probably not much of the pitching staff's fault, but you go to Denver and you play there. That's what happens. You're not you're not playing for, you know, the New England Patriots or whatever. So, yeah, and you're going now. You're going to the NL West, which has, you know, the Dodgers looming over everyone. Mm-hmm. Plus, if the Padres really do turn out to be good, which they're the Padres, I assume at some point, like in May. They'll just get the itch to start selling everybody off again, just because it's yep. it's what they do. Like, hey, guys, mm-hmm. we brought back the brown uniforms, and now we're <laughs> trading Fernando Tatis. What? Yeah. Right. He's allergic to brown. We're doing it for his own good. <laughs> so it will be interesting to see what the Cubs do if they do if they do anything between now and opening day, because you know even though they may be itching to trade, itching to dump payroll. They don't need to do it by opening day. Mm-mm. They could they could wait to the deadline and hope they could hold somebody up for some of these guys. So it could be that you know we everybody was waiting for this. You know if you know we all joked about how everything in the world was being held up by the Chris Bryant grievance decision, and now we've got it. But that it doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden all this cool stuff's going to happen. In fact, I. I'm kind of hoping nothing happens. I was really hoping that the grievance decision would come down on the final day of the 2021 season. <laughs> like, you know what? what? You should have been a free agent last year. Sorry, I couldn't get all the paperwork done. What's What's more likely, that the Cubs sign anyone of consequence or they sign a deal with Comcast or the Marquee Network uh, <laughs> before opening day? Oh, I... They're not going to be on Comcast on opening day. Um, it's going to be great, right? It's, it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, if you're Comcast, why would you? I mean, you want to hold them. You want to make them as uncomfortable as possible. And then, so, and one thing we've heard, you know, they've, they basically have agreed to the same terms with everybody they've, they've agreed with. Nobody's quite sure what that is per month, per household. But mm-hmm. Crane basically confirmed that, yes, everybody's getting the same amount or paying the same amount to carry the network. It's very common, apparently, I say this as though I'm an expert, but I've you know been at least reading about this stuff. It's very common to have in a deal, say with DirecTV, that, okay, we're going to pay you $4.99 a month per subscriber. But if you work out a carriage deal at a lower rate with another provider, you have to honor that for us. So if oh. so if Comcast says we're not paying four ninety nine and the Cubs are like, Well, would you do four and a quarter? If they get them to say yes, it goes down everybody else pays less now. That's apparently okay. that's apparently the number one reason why the Dodgers are still not carried on all the all the cable outlets in Southern California because they have that written into their deal and they don't ever want it to go down. So the others are playing Mm -hmm. hardball and go, we'll we'll pay, we will pay to carry it, but not at that rate. And they're like, well, screw you then. Um, We're not going to do it. It doesn't seem like great business to me because it seems like the more people paying you money, even if it's a little bit less, the better. But Mm -hmm. apparently that's how it works. But also, if you're Comcast, you own the other sports network in town. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't you want, say, a month or two of, well, you can't watch the Cubs, but look at this. You can watch the White Sox. Now, (laughs) it's not going to convert any real baseball fans. Nobody's going to be like, you know what? Fine. I'm just going to become a Sox fan now. Um, but, but it's, it's going to hurt the Cubs more. Like, I, I don't think they, I don't think at any point does Comcast get hurt. You no, know, I just no, and then yeah. you get the absurdity of you know Crane at the Cub convention during his little session, putting the Xfinity phone number up and having people <laughs> write this down and call and say you want. It's like, buddy, that's not how it works. You know, I, yeah, I'm not calling I, I, 
And even if I, I like did, the, the, Xfin- the Xfinity rep who's in Bangladesh isn't going to give a shit if I call and talk to them for five <laughs> minutes about how I really think you should ca- you should carry the Marquee Sports Network. And, and Crane's saying, oh, I walk into Xfinity stores and I don't tell them who yes, I am like, as if they would give a shit. Secret shopping. Uh, you know, this dude making in. 11 bucks an hour to, to yeah. sign you up for the triple play. <laughs> it's like, oh, the dude with the ascot is in here again. <laughs> Pretend. And what is your name, sir? My name is... Yeah. Chaz um, Kenny. That's excellent job. You've really hidden your identity well. They've done such a bad job of the, the whole messaging around it because there are so many fans who are older than us, and yes, those people exist, um, who are just, they don't understand, like, they think that, they still think, oh, I, and I'll, you, you just get, go to, like, Facebook and look at the comments under the Cubs or WGN or Robert Feeder or whoever. Um, you know, people still think, oh, I'm going to have to pay $25 a month to watch Cubs games. It's yeah. like, that's not what it is. Like, people just don't really get it. Yep. And if, if they can't watch the games, they're not going to blame Comcast. They're going to blame the Cubs. Or uh, it seems a lot of people are like, I'll just turn on the radio. So it's like, oh, maybe the, those people will be happy with that. <laughs> yeah, so. they're like, I've, you know what I really like when I watch baseball? I like hearing Zach Zaidman laugh for no reason in the background <laughs> for three hours. I like that much better than actually seeing the game. So I'm, you can't, you can't hurt me. Yeah, I mean, and they've had, they've had years to get people ready for this. People, mm-hmm. I, it was funny. I said, I'm not paying for, to watch the Cubs. I'm like, well, do you realize you're paying? There's, you know, like last year, it's like, you pay now. NBC That's Sports, what I'm saying. Like, people NBC don't understand. It was yeah. not free. You're right. But the Cubs did nothing to present that to them and say, really, nothing right. for you is going to change, except you're going to have to learn a different number. Do you think at any point, though, this completely. I, I, it's not apples and oranges, but obviously, a, a big point in Chicago sports history was when Eddie Einhorn and Jerry Reinsdorf made the decision to put the Sox on. On the on the pay TV, right? Yeah. It's a little bit similar now because there there is cord cutting, so people do seem a little bit more. And baseball does have a lesser spot in American society than it did in 1981 or whatever. So, at any point, do you think people they, they like Comcast doesn't carry the Cubs, and people just say "f it." Like how injur- injurious could that be to the franchise? Uh, I mean, you think you're you're risking. It's a long term injury because you're risking mm-hmm. younger Cub fans just getting used to not watching. Right. Like, well, I got other things to do. Screw it. I mean, they kind right. of do anyway now, and they're already panicked about you know young fans. It's like, well, Which- young fans don't sit down and watch the games in front. Of, they don't watch nine innings in front of the TV anyway. Mm-hmm. But they sure come to games. I mean, you can't go to a cup game and not see a bunch of kids. So clearly, they do connect with them. But if you make it mm-hmm. so that the the kid can't even tune in for, you know, however long they're tuning in for, oh, I'm going to watch. You know, I'm going to watch a couple of innings yeah. because they can't when they're at home. They're going to find other things to do, and you're just going to. Well, become... When I was a kid, like I, I can sit here and pretend that I watched all nine innings, but I didn't. You know, you watch, you watch for the first couple of innings, your mom called yeah. you way to lunch and, or whatever. So, but it was still, you still got three or four innings or whatever. Yeah. And they were always there. Mm-hmm. And if it, you know, if it was, you know, if it was raining at your house and it wasn't raining at Wrigley, you could turn it on <laughs> and watch some of the game. Um, yep. I grew up on a farm where if you, if you went outside, if you went into the shed, there, the radio was always on and it was always on WGN. Um, Dad's excuse was that it would keep the raccoons out of the shed because apparently the raccoons hated Roy Leonard and Wally Phillips, so they wouldn't come <laughs> in the shed. But it was always on. If you got in a truck with him, WGM was always on. If you got in one of the tractors, WGM was always on. Mm-hmm. And then when he went into the house, we got a satellite dish just to watch the Cubs. So I could like wander in and out of awareness of a game and catch you know parts of it. Yep. Um. And I, that's kind of still you can you know you can basically do the same thing now with your phone. You my know, my kids now check Twitter like, and look and go oh somebody at home run and watch the highlight. My kids will now just be aware because I'll just like send them TikToks of a right. you know an Anthony Rizzo home run or something or 
I don't know, maybe the, the bullpen dancers or whatever. Hey, kids, look. For the first time in four months, Scooter Jeanette drew a walk. Look, I've got an entire <laughs> TikTok of it. But, but, but the catcher's just holding up four fingers, and he's in the. Oh, yeah, it was an intentional walk, but still it counts. <laughs> I love that. The symmetry of Scooter's season last year was amazing. He played the same amount of games for the Giants and the Reds. It was like 21 in each place because he, he ripped his you know, groin to shreds or whatever. And he walked once for each team. So, way to go, Scoot. It's hard to do. All right. So, I don't know if you've, if you've heard of this. Apparently, there's a football game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's, the, uh, uh, it's the NFL-AFL championship. No, it's the, it's the Super Bowl because Lamar Hunt's daughter had a Super Bowl and was playing with it 50 years ago. And Lamar's like, ooh, we should call the game the Super Bowl or whatever. <laughs> You're going to hear that story told correctly at least three times this weekend. But it is, the Super Bowl is coming up. So do you, have any, do you have an affinity for the Chiefs because of your time in Kansas City? I do. I, I, I have enough friends who are Chiefs fans. Um, I tailgated and got drunk enough to walk into Arrowhead Stadium where I forgot what team the Chiefs were playing. <laughs> Um, I think it ended up with the, either the Dolphins or the Bills probably ended up being, um, no, I mean, they were fun and they, they've always been such a snake bitten franchise. I mean, they've, they've been too good to go 50 years without a Super yeah. Bowl, right? I mean, I mean, yes. so many, they've, they've had a lot of good teams, you know, especially over like the last 30 or so years. Um, so I'm pretty happy for them. Um, Honestly, I I was thinking if I you know if I uh, I was employed right now I'd probably buy a Mahomes jersey just because I probably deserve it as a Bears fan. Um, I like Mahomes. I, I, I can be a Mahomes guy. There, I've always kind of maintained that you can like have an AFC team. I think a lot of Bears fans have AFC teams, and my AFC team is the Bills because uh, of Tech Mobile. But I should maybe make it the Chiefs. I, I have no idea, but. But yes, I'm happy. That actually looks like a dog I have, by the way. People can't see this at home, but oh yeah, there's I have two dogs have decided to appear out of nowhere and sit on me during this. There you go. The one is so sedentary that a couple of weeks ago I did an entire podcast with him on my lap, and I forgot he was there. <laughs> I, like I looked down at the end, I'm like, God, were you there the whole time? And I realized that yeah. he was. So uh, back to the Chiefs. Is, is oh, yeah, America but, rooting for the Chiefs? Is America rooting for the Chiefs? Who's rooting? Like, I don't know. I think that the um, I, I can't imagine there's there's an anti-chief sentiment, um, mm-hmm. and I know that had the Packers somehow gotten into the Super Bowl, I would have uh, done the best I could to have uh, ginned up America's hatred for the Packers. <laughs> um, I don't know if people are somewhat ambivalent about the 49ers because even though it's been 25 years since they won a Super Bowl, it's seemed like they have been there more recently. Um, Mm -hmm. I do think there are a lot of people who um, feel like it's, it would be nice for Andy Reid to win a Super Bowl. You know, he's been a very good coach who's just happens to be the worst clock manager ever. Although one of his disciples who wears a visor and uh, coaches the Bears has a very similar <laughs> approach to not knowing when to call timeouts and not knowing when to hurry up, and so clearly that's that's something Andy teaches. Is, the, no, the, no, no, the no. The other no. side of it is the other side of it is Tyreek Hill winning a Super Bowl. Yeah, and you know and they have they have is it it's is it Nicole Hardeman or Mecole Hardeman? Mecole, right? Yeah, I think it's Mecole. And he's like just as fast. So, mm-hmm. you know, for to make it easier on America, you know, just give Tyreek the day him. off. And uh, obviously, yeah, obviously the Kobe news has just overshadowed everything. That's literally like one of the only things that could happen to make the Super Bowl the second biggest story in sports. But even if that hadn't happened, I don't know if people are really that amped up about this matchup or I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I don't know if it's, we got so used to having the Patriots to root against 
Mm-hmm. And now they're not there. Um, I don't. Yeah, so it's them. like, okay, well, which team do I choose? I don't miss them. Um, but yeah, they did give I, you an easy. By default, you just root against them. Not this time, you actually. I, get but I pick. thought like last year's matchup sucked too. I wanted the Rams to lose just as badly. Like, I actually rooted for the Patriots last year because it's like, oh, at least this means something. Like it, you know, at least it's kind of just adding on to like the the dynasty or the legacy or whatever, which, you know, I don't like the Patriots all that much, but I don't, I don't hate them as, as much as any people. And it was like, screw Sean McVay. Well, we were so close last year to a great Super Bowl to two different matchups that would have been great Super Bowls. If D four yep. doesn't, doesn't jump off sides, you've got Rams chiefs and that regular season game that year had been nuts. They scored they combined a score of a hundred points. And I think mm-hmm. saints, um, Saints Patriots yeah, versus been, Brady. Yeah, yeah. But instead, we got the we got the poo poo platter of the <laughs> the turd in the punch bowl of the Rams and the Patriots, which I still thought I didn't realize that Sean McVay was going to have no answer for anything, and so we <sighs> got the most boring Super Bowl. I mean, I missed the one where the Colts beat the Cowboys on a field goal. That was Super Bowl four or five, which apparently mm-hmm. had been the most boring one before that, but I think we may have topped it. Yeah, it was terrible. So, this is the week when everybody in your in uh, offices is becomes a football expert um, and basically writes their initials down on squares, and mm-hmm. then they know what to root for in the game. But um, some of the props, uh, I went to Bovada, and looked up some of the props, and uh, I'm going to get your take on some of these. Uh, it starts with a kind of a dark one, which I really didn't okay. expect to see. Um, will Mike Vick tweet about the Puppy Bowl? No. Yeah, no is minus 7,500. So they're really not <laughs> expecting Mike Vick to. Uh, and then there's a second Puppy Bowl one. Uh, will a puppy attempt to mate during the Puppy Bowl? Uh, no, too young. Uh, that one they're not so sure. The yes is plus 350. So then, what, yeah, like what's the, what, what what's constituted there? Like what's you know? Just some humping. Okay. Yeah. Which puppies I guess like to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's I got there's a couple of basketball ones here. One I'm sure you're very excited about. Um, total points. Um, Io Dasunmu. Will he score more points than the longest Emmanuel Sanders reception? Um, mm. Io averages sixteen point two points a game. Um, so that Io might be the pick there. Um, Giannis is also playing on Sunday, so you can get Giannis's uh, points plus rebounds plus assists, or Sammy Watkins' total receiving yards. <clears throat> Giannis averages forty-eight and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. Sammy Watkins averages forty-eight point one yards per game. Wow! So I think I would take uh, Giannis. Here's one I want to get your uh, uh, take on. Uh, the number of Robbie Gold field goals, more or less than the number of Brad Davidson nut punches. <laughs> uh, Brad Davidson is uh, suspended now. I don't know if you uh, saw that news. That, otherwise, that, that about an hour they probably ago. have yeah. to take that off the board now. Yeah. That's too <laughs> it's been a bang-up week for Wisconsin basketball, Andy. Feeling really good. So, um, so he's, he's basically like, this must especially hurt Badger fans because he's like Grayson Allen, mm-hmm. who, you know, you have a very, can't yeah, have don't a Grayson Allen, Grace yeah. Allen, considering he went crazy in the championship game, uh, yeah, without they, the they, offensive they, the ability. One, the one good night of his, his career, basically. Yeah. yeah. When he yeah. scored a bunch of points and managed to not uh, trip anybody. Uh, so we get back to the real ones. Um, number of holes in one in the entire Phoenix Open. So you get the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Or uh, the number of roughing the passer penalties um, in the Super Bowl. Uh, roughing the passer penalties. Yeah, I would think so. Although yeah. the Phoenix Open, there's usually usually at least one hole in one. But, yeah, it's hard to just bet on. Well, I, there's going to be three, so I'm going to take that. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite one of my favorite to bet every year is the distance of the longest penalty 
over 15 and a half. Um, so basically any, you're just, you're, any you're betting on a pass interference penalty that goes beyond 15 yards. Yeah. And what, what's the, uh, is that just an even money bet or? Uh, the over is minus 250. The under is plus 170. Okay. okay. Uh, this one honestly seems like free money. Uh, the number of times that Katie Sowers is mentioned during the game, you could take under or over a half. Oh, I can't imagine over. they're not going to talk about her. Now, it, yeah. it's only during the game broadcast. Um, hmm. You know, during the pregame, they'll talk about her. But I can't imagine you're not going to get a shot of her up in the box. Cause I think that's where she is. Or if she's yeah, on the sidelines, sure. they're going to show her on the sidelines. They're going to talk about her. So that's, that's history. Uh, under is pl- um, yeah, under is plus three fifty, but the over is minus six hundred. So okay, you know, you're not going to get a lot of money, but uh, I think you're going to win. You got no halftime props here. No, but there's the ones like what color? What they get absurd? Like, will J Lo wear a dress <laughs> or a skirt, or what color will it be? Will A-Rod come out and try to sniff a closed jar of salsa? <laughs> I would bet that. I think he just does that. Ever since Matt Carpenter gave him the salsa, he's smelling uh, He's never been able to open the jar. Who was feeding him popcorn during the one Super Bowl? What girlfriend was that? That was Cameron was that Diaz, Ma- right? Cameron Diaz. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I was going to guess Madonna, but that wasn't right. I didn't think it was nice that ESPN has decided they're going to freshen up the Sunday night booth. Uh, yeah, but they're going to keep a rod. <laughs> it's like, well, no, he's the problem. <laughs> it's, you know, why? You can't walk him out the door. I mean, they like the names. Well, and honestly, if they, he, I shouldn't say he'd be fine. He'd be much less annoying if they just did that. Like they don't broadcast the Sunday night game. Like it's a normal game. They try to make it an event. And they mm-hmm. try to talk about all the other stuff. It's like, no, I hate to tell you this, guys. It's just another game. And the only just people watching are the fans of the two teams. And mm-hmm. none of us want... Now, I bitch about the Sunday night games all the time. I hate when the Cubs are on Sunday night baseball. Um, a, I find it annoying because I really like to get that Cub game out of the way by like 4 o'clock on Sunday. Um, but also because I write my column for Monday... Mm-hmm. So I have to wait to see if anything, you know, I have to Definitely. at least part of it that I can rewrite. So it's somewhat just, it inconveniences me. Um, but we went from Joe Morgan and John Miller, which was just Joe Morgan. Anything was torture to a bunch of years when it was just fine. You know, I to this. So you mentioned Kobe. Um, we hadn't talked about him to this point because I, mm-hmm. as far as the, you know, it's deservedly so he's been the topic for the last three days. So I don't know how much we can add to it, but you had an interesting, someone posed an interesting question to you today. Right. So somebody asked me, would the story have been bigger if it had been Michael Jordan on the helicopter instead of Kobe Bryant? And I said, I don't think so. I, mean, I, I think there's like any any number of factors of why Kobe Bryant is is bigger. Um, it happened in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a whole family aspect of it, which is just makes the tragedy all all the worse. Um, he was a lot more visible. Um, Kobe also, you know. You know, Michael Jordan right now, like if if you're 29 years old, you probably don't remember him playing, right? But Kobe right now, like, has, you know, kids who are, it's a big deal, like, kids who are, like, you know, 15 or 16 now, yeah. they remember watching him play. Well, he only, so this is only the fourth year of his retirement. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, I mean, he, you know, if you're, a, if you're older than... Yeah, you're right. If you're 14 or 15, you watched him and you remember it. Mm-hmm. So it does seem more immediate. My when you mentioned it before, my initial thought was, well, of course it's Jordan because he's Michael Jordan, but that's also right. 
me, again, somebody my age who grew up watching him, um, I think had it happened in the third year after he retired the second time or the third time, um, it's a huge thing. Um, it was, if it happened yesterday, it's a huge thing right now. But as far as the um, the visceral reaction that all the players had, that's because they, a lot of them in the league played against Kobe. They all, mm-hmm. all the younger, except for the very oldest ones, they all grew up watching him. Um, so we've 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 shifted to his. It's, they're different generations of player. And so this For current sure. generation, yes, Kobe means more to them than Jordan does. Just like if, um, like when we were kids, if, you know, uh, you know, Bill Russell had fallen out of a hot air balloon. <laughs> I was trying to think what the equivalent of a helicopter would have been. Um, right. I would have been like, oh, that's too bad. But I never saw him play. I mm-hmm. I know from just knowing basketball that he was a great player, but it wouldn't have had the impact on me that if it had been, um, you know, even if Cliff Levingston had fallen out of a hot air balloon when I was a kid, that would have been a bigger deal. That would have been bad news. I do. I always think it's funny though the uh, the immediate reaction. You know, there were people like um, the NBA should change the logo. That silhouette should be Kobe now, and they should yeah. retire eight and twenty four all across the league. It's like, all right, guys, we don't make these decisions two days after it happened for a reason. Um, Although there are players who are changing their number. If there are players who have, and then Kemba Kemba Walker's like, Kemba's Kemba's like, I don't, I don't want to change my number. (laughs) Like, I'm actually going to do this to to honor him, which is like good for you. Like, and Kemba's like, guys, I play for the Celtics. There's only six numbers left anyway. I can't right. change. I'll have. Well, I'd he, wore have to be... fi- he wore fifteen. He wore fifteen with the Hornets, and then he got there, and and fifteen was was already retired for the Celtics. So, so he's like, unless uh, I want to be number eighty-seven, I'm going to stick with eight. Yep. Uh, Zach Levine and um, uh, Larry Markinen both announced today that they're keeping their numbers to honor him. Okay, which is which good. I think that's I, fine. I think that's fine. Oh, I do too. I don't you know. I, if LeBron can, can come in and, and wear Michael Jordan's number, which to me, like twenty three is like should be like ninety nine in hockey, right? Like no one touches ninety nine. I don't. I think it's crazy that that LeBron ever touched twenty three, but yeah. And then uh, you know he started with twenty three, switched to six for apparently needed to sell some more jerseys. <laughs> right. Back to twenty three. Um Kobe changed for what reason? Do we know? He just one day decided Probably some more jerseys, but Yeah. I, I always wondered if part of it was um you know, Kobe started with eight. Now that's a number that in at least in like junior high, high school and college. Mm-hmm. Nobody can wear. You can't be eight. Um, you know, you've got it's the old archaic. No, 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 no digit higher than five because we have to be mm-hmm. able to signal it on one hand to the scorers table. And you almost right. wonder if Kobe's like, screw it, I'm going to pick a number the kids can wear, so that because like when I was a kid, the best player in every team won to twenty three. That was like it was like the soccer equivalent or the basketball equivalent of soccer players wearing ten. Yep. Was you you fought for 23 and I could see Kobe being like, well, I'm going to pick a number they can wear. So when I, you know, so the hotshot high school kids all fight to have my number. That's interesting. Or I just want some more cash. And, um, but ESPN put up the, the splits of his stats when he was eight and the stats when he was 24. And they were like scooter Jeanette's walk numbers. Exactly. They're almost exactly the same. It's crazy. So, (laughs) Back to the Jordan thing, though. Like Jordan hasn't been a likable guy in retirement, right? Like he's just kind of like there's, there's really nothing like warm and cuddly about Michael right now. No, he's kind of, especially owning the Hornets. He's basically he's all the Ricketts kids c- combined. Yeah, he's like the one guy. He's like, ah, we're not paying for that. No, although for a while, like he was throwing out huge contracts. Like, hey, Nick Batum, you want a hundred million dollars? Here you go. He, he, He's never going to win. He's, I don't know. It's just, you know, like if you take winning out of Michael Jordan, like what is Michael Jordan? 
it's not like he's ever had like a really great personality. It's like, oh, wow, that was really all Nike marketing. (laughs) Right? Yeah. But how different personality-wise do you think Michael and Kobe really were? I think Kobe's personality, I think, came from, at least especially while he was playing, it came from the same thing. It was the Nike ads. And then he kind of yeah, got this resurgence in the last couple of years of he's retired, he's a dad, he's got four daughters. Yeah, um, which which I relate to. I, I've never really liked Kobe when he was playing because I thought, oh, this guy's just kind of doing a lame Michael Jordan impression. I've already seen this. This is not that interesting to me. I'd rather gravitate towards Allen Iverson or Kevin Garnett or even like Tim Duncan seemed more interesting to me. <laughs> Which is kind of crazy. Well, and Kobe was also a lousy uh, player GM because when he was trying mm-hmm. to force his trade to the Bulls, he said, "I'm unless they keep Luol Deng, I don't want to go there." It's like, yep, really, Luol is going to be the guy that stops this. I miss the, I miss those like Sam Smith col- columns where he'd just drop, "Oh, Kobe's coming here. Kobe's on the verge of coming." Like that never happened. And the, the funny thing is, like reading now, like there's there, like I, I think I read a. Oh, uh, Kobe almost landed with the Wizards. Kobe almost landed with the Clippers. Kobe almost forced a trade, you know. To the, this, here's, like, how he almost landed on the Knicks or the 76ers. <laughs> um, but he, he always stayed with the Lakers, so. Right. So his agent managed to plant a rumor in every market. So the fans yeah. could go out for that game and try to woo Kobe. And like, yeah, he's really, he's not leaving. But, uh that would never happen with the Bulls today. Like no one's, no one's like they're the, they're the Knicks of the Midwest now. I know. I mean, it's 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 laughable to think that any free agent would even think about coming here, or anyone would force a trade here. Yeah, you don't think Anthony Davis is uh, going to ditch the <laughs> yeah. Lakers for the Bulls? <laughs> I loved it when he showed up at the Packer playoff game, and everybody's like, "Oh yeah, oh, he's a Packer fan." It's like, yeah, that should be the deal breaker, guys. That was, yeah, that was, that was really odd. Um, well, his but basic explanation the... was, oh, when I was growing up, the you know the Bears weren't any good. I was like, well, when I was growing up, the Bears weren't any good. I didn't become a Packer <laughs> fan. And I didn't stick with him right. because, you know, that Bob Evelini, that's a guy. I want to watch <laughs> that guy all the time. He did the Nike barbershop thing, though, and somebody asked him, and he like had to say, well, you never know. And then everyone's like, oh, maybe yeah, he's Anthony coming. Dave's coming to the no, no he's not, man. He's not coming. So... So, you know, the, the immediate reaction of all the things that people should do to pay tribute to Kobe, if it, if it had been Jordan, do you think players mm-hmm. would have would have been acceptable to grow the Hitler mustache? Would they have been able to? <laughs> that was quite a phase for Michael. It's like, I'm just going to leave it right here on the, on the, right here in the middle of the lip. No, uh, Michael, don't do that. The, uh, you know, the worst Maybe human being can... of all time had that mustache nobody's bringing it back maybe they could have worked that into redoing the uh the uh, the silhouette of the the nba yeah, they could somehow work that in right, it's if, just NBA gone now. they kept the same jerry west silhouette but they put just a little blue dot in the middle of his head so see it's jordan now there's the mustache it's very strange though that people would think like that'd be an appropriate tribute right yeah change the logo yeah it's like the baseball I mean, I, I just one. don't know the baseball logo is is made so that if you look at it, if you, if you you tilt your head a little bit, you can make him right or left-handed. So it could literally mm-hmm. be any play, any batter ever. So I guess Isn't I'm surprised baseball doesn't pretend though? they change it every year. Oh, it's Mike Trout now. It's like what? It's yeah. the, isn't it the same logo? No, no, no. We changed it. It's Mike Trout now. Look, squint. <laughs> yeah, there's people who think it's Stan Musial, right? I thought it was Killerbrew. Yeah, I think it's. It could be wrong. Could have been. It might have been Barry Foot or Jerry Morales. It might have been Jerry Morales. He was big when they made the silhouette. Maybe not. The other interesting thing I find with like this, the, the whole Kobe story, is really it's become apparent to me that the basketball players over the last thirty years mean right now to our generation and, and especially the generations before us, what 
the crop of baseball players from the 40s, 50s, and 60s meant to our dads and our grandpas, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's... Like that's 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 the spot that they like occupy in the culture and, and, and the psyche of, I guess, American sporting fans, really. We look at we look at Shaq and Kobe and Michael and Larry and, and Magic like people did Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Bannell and uh, Ernie Banks and, and whoever you want to add to that. It's, that's where the NBA is. I, it's it's hard to imagine like anyone from '90s baseball dying the same way that Kobe did and then having like an inside the NBA type show where everyone was, you know, like I was watching Shaq and it's like, I felt like, Oh, I know Shaq. I know Kobe. I don't, but those guys have been in our lives for so long um, that they do seem like the, the standard bearers of, of like of culture for like the last 25 or 30 years. Yeah. So, so is the, was the baseball equivalent Thurman Munson? Or was that even too late? Roberto. Cl- oh Roberto yeah, right. Clemente. It would be Clemente. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That can. But helps. yeah, I mean, Thurman Munson. With his one year with the Cubs. <laughs> it wasn't Jeremy Gonzalez. My buddy actually did a uh, did the equivalent like Babe Ruth is Michael Jordan. He said Kobe Bryant is Ted Williams, which I think is interesting. Um. And he went down and down and down the list, but yeah. So you wrote a one of the big things that's come out of this is the idea of um, you know what Kobe is. Obviously, the thing he's going to be most remembered uh, about is his you know his NBA career. But post NBA, mm-hmm. you know, he won. He won an Oscar, <laughs> mostly because I think John Williams wrote the music for that short. Um, mm-hmm. But obviously, the he was he was becoming very prominent um, with youth girls basketball because his his second daughter, and obviously, unfortunately, she's the one who. It was, but they were in the helicopter going to a game. Um, mm-hmm. They had a very visible basketball relationship he would take her to games there's that great shot of him explaining things to her that were going on in the court and her actually being interested which you know a lot of times you'd have the dad and the kid and the dad is pointing things out and the kid is like what looking at his phone or (laughs) she was actually paying attention um so there's kind of this whole um there's a lot of people right now sharing stories about fathers and their daughters and Mm -hmm. um and you wrote something akin to that i did i did so um yeah because i I have, I have two daughters and i like i said when this kind of happened that's the that's the thing that made the tragedy so much worse and i think a lot relatable to people i mean people can't relate to rich guy in an airplane or on a helicopter but people can relate to dad taking his daughter and it was just him. It was a couple different yeah. sets of parents on that helicopter, unfortunately. And so to see that, it was just kind of crazy. But, um, over like the last three or four years, I think I've, I've watched Kobe kind of been that proud dad. And it's, um, it's kind of weird considering like everything that happened in 2003 that we get to this point And I, I do feel conflicted about it, but, um, he did get to this point where it's like, he was really, putting those girls on a pedestal and his encouragement and um, seeing where they were at. And if you watch those, if you watch those like clips of Gigi, I mean, it, it really looked like she was on her way to doing something special, at least, you know, at least a college player and then maybe doing something special in the WNBA. So um, I don't want to say that maybe necessarily that Kobe was a role model, but it was like, I did look at that and say, okay, well, this is kind of what really can can happen, and if you do encourage your daughters or, or whatever, so um, it's been hard to you know watch, watch those highlights because yeah. it's like you know even even just going on Instagram and people just keep on and putting stuff up. It's like man, got to put your phone down at some point because it's it's just hard to get your your head around the the whole thing, but. Um, yeah, I, th- I don't know. <laughs> I think it was. I've heard so many different 
people talking about. I think it was Ramona Shelburne was talking about Kobe had it. He would tell people he had it. He had it all mapped out that she was going to go to UConn and that she was going to play in the mm-hmm. league. And she said, knowing Kobe, he it, this was not just a dad saying, "Oh, my kid's good enough. She's going to go to UConn. She's going to play in the WNBA." You know, he's a guy who fancied himself to be such a student of the game that he wouldn't mm-hmm. have said that just to to brag or to try to wish it into existence. He really thought that was going to happen, that he saw enough talent in her that he thought as she grew, um, yeah. as she got older, that was really going to happen. And, um, um, you know, far be it from me to think that it was a publicity stunt by Gino Oriema, but they actually <laughs> took, they had a number two jersey and flowers mm-hmm. laid out on, on the uh, chair down at the end of their bench for, their, for the game right after that accident, basically, to honor her. As yeah, though she was, would have actually been there. That was one of those scenes that like really got to me. But, but yeah, you're right. Kobe um, actually put it in trademark for Mambasita like last month. Yeah, you know. So obviously, like the branding was already in in motion. And I mean, there's a certain part of it. It's like, you know, I, I don't think Kobe ever did anything in public without without thinking it through. And I'm sure he had to think, okay, well, it's probably would really hap- help me to to be like this vocal dad of daughters. But, you know, in the end of it, it's like, you can be cynical about that, but it's like, who did it help? It, you know, it helped, uh, it helped his daughters first and foremost. But I, I think about it, it's like, how many dads out there did it help? You know, like, did it, um, you know, maybe people who are less enlightened and say, oh, I wanted a boy, I don't like a girl or whatever. Now maybe there's like some you know Neanderthal Lakers fan who's excited to have girls or whatever. So at the end of the day, I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and he he had so many. You know, he got lots of offers. Obviously, he could have been on any of the pregame shows. He could have done all kinds of stuff. And obviously, he had his you know his mm-hmm. film company and all that stuff. The fact that he it, it leads you to believe that he did this because. Not just to position himself as America's preeminent dad of female athletes. He did it because he's like, she's going to be really good. She's interested in this. This is something right. we share. As, as long as she wants to do it, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to create as many opportunities as possible. You know, it, it, yeah. certainly, it certainly seems that way. It would have been interesting to see if she got there. Like how much of the genes and just the 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 parentage and and whatever influence would have. You know, if that would have really got her to be, and could she have been the best like women's basketball player of all time? Like, who knows? Yeah. And it's it's gonna be just one of those like questions will never be answered, which sucks. Yes. Well, Kevin, we've gone more than an hour, so uh, I hope everyone listened to every minute of it. Oh, people listen. Okay, good. I get I will, I will get um, messages and emails about things that happened late in the okay. In the podcast, so I know that at least there's a few people who hang on all the time. So I want to thank you for doing this. This was a lot of fun. And, yeah, I uh, appreciate you having me on. So I will, uh, well, tell everybody where they can read the the column that you wrote. Yeah, so I have a uh, a Substack now, which is a, a free newsletter. It's kevinkaduk.substack.com, and uh, that's that's where I wrote the uh, the Kobe Bryant thing. So if you did uh, read this, and if you made it this far, and you go and read it. Uh, Drop me a Twitter at Kevin Kadick and, and let me know. Yeah, and I'll link to it in the show notes and on the on the post end of Scipio so people can find it. Cool. So uh, thanks a lot. Go Chiefs. Yeah. And uh, go Chiefs. Don't. This was fun. Don't be a stranger. We'll do this again. All right. Thanks, Andy.